Welcome to the Music Licensing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Sonnet Simmons. And I'm John Kleinbaum. Each week we sit down with top professionals in the sync world to discuss their experiences and offer inside insights on what it takes to play song to picture. From music supervisors to ad agency executives, from trailer houses to indie artists racking up licenses with their music, we'll be talking to all of the people who make the sync magic happen. Music is the backbone of a successful film or TV show. It's all about finding the right fit for the right song for the right moment. I think the key to success in music licensing is really building relationships. If you're passionate about music and the business behind making compelling media, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we dive into the fascinating world of sync and explore it with the people it takes to make it all click. The Music Licensing Podcast, where business meets the art of storytelling and media. Hey friends, if you love our podcast, please consider being a patron for $3 a month. It will get you inside scoops behind the scenes, early access to some of the episodes, and helps keep the lights on over here for the podcast. All you have to do is go to musiclicensingpodcast.com and you can donate $3 a month and you are a patron. Thanks so much. Welcome to the Music Licensing Podcast. We are so glad you are here with us today, joining us for this conversation with Josh Young from Atrium Music. If you are not familiar with Josh, let me break down for you all the hats that he wears in the music industry. He is owner of Atrium Music, a music licensing agency representing an incredible roster of artists, independent artists, and he is also a video editor for a lot of unscripted television shows that you probably watch. He's a musician. He shares all of these three perspectives in the way that we talk about the creative process, the editing process, how music works to picture, and breaks down a lot of this inside track so that whether you are making music or you are a part of consuming the music, this insight is so valuable and interesting. We cannot wait to dive into this conversation. See you there. Let's go. This is Sonnet. I'm John, and welcome to the Music Licensing Podcast. We're so excited to talk to Josh Young from Atrium Music today. How's it going, Josh? I'm doing really well, guys. So happy to be here. You are like one of our favorite people on the planet. We have you in our community for, and you are such a great instructor. You also share people, bring people into your process of being a video editor. You're a musician. You also have an agency where you rep independent artists and you get them a ton of placements and you have a wonderful family and like live a lifestyle that a lot of people dream of in terms of like really living by your values. And so you are such an incredible example on how to show up in the music industry from a lot of different facets, giving back and showing up for your dreams. And we cannot wait to dive into really all of those facets today. Um, our our audience is made up of independent artists and also, you know, supervisors and other industry execs who are interested in just kind of hearing what's going on with everybody in, in the music industry and a place to kind of keep their pulse. So I think maybe just to start, you always have so many projects going on. You're video editing, you're pulling songs for shows like can you kind of bring us into sort of the day-to-day for you right now or like a day of like what what does josh young life look like right now with all the hats you wear 
Sure. I mean, what a great intro. I, I really appreciate all of that. Um, yeah, I mean, we're I'm in Central Texas. I'm in Austin. And so uh, a lot of my day right now is based on uh, California time. So which is really cool. So I wake up early in the morning with my kids. We drink coffee. We go for a walk. I spend a few hours with them. If the weather's right, I go outside. We work in the garden. We have a chicken coop. And and so that's kind of what I've really enjoyed the most. If I could stay out there all day, I probably would. Um, but I usually start my day around 10 or 11 and, and I jump in and I start on editing projects. I check my emails. I see what's going on, all the people emailing back and forth. And really, a lot of the time it's multitasking. Um, and I have such a great team of people at Atrium that it's like we, we've been working remote for so long now. Our communication is just so on point. Um, we really love what we do. We love the artists that we represent. And so we're busy, but it, it's just constant. And so it's, it's kind of like that all day long. And then at night, I catch up on emails and go to have dinner with my family and kind of do it all over again. But um, we, staying busy is definitely something that I think I'm better at when there's a lot going on. Um, I think when I have that pressure, especially on a show, like we're editing, if there's not a lot going on, I'm like, yeah, I get kind of like complacent a little bit. But if there's like, if it's an intense show, it's like, man, I feel like I excel so much more. Um, but that's kind of like the day to day. And it's like, we're just constantly trying to find amazing artists. We're con con constantly trying to find uh, opportunities for, for placements and just growing our business. Um, but the whole time we're doing it, we're trying to do it with a, a respectful uh, moral. Or like, how are we treating people? How are we taking care of people? Uh, to me, that's the first and foremost. Like, that's the most important aspect of anything and everything we do. Um, there's times where people get upset. Just I think it's just kind of the nature of the business. And there's emails going back and forth. And I'll call them and be like, hey, I just saw the emails going back and forth. Let's just talk this out real quick. What's going on? And I would say like 9.9 .9 times out of 10, it's a miscommunication, right? And that to me, that's just such an important thing. It's like, I want to be face-to-face -face with everybody um, or shoulder to shoulder and just have those conversations and lift everybody up while we're doing what we're doing. And hopefully we can make a career and, and, and make money at it. But um, we we really do enjoy all the, all the people in our, our community. It's really quite amazing relationships are just so important whether it has to do with folks in the music industry or your chickens you know yeah. so I, I was going to ask the important follow-up question yeah did you name your chickens and do they have like personalities the the first batch we did that we got in the mail um they sent them overnight in the mail and we got them i think we got like 15 at the time and then we ended up with a uh, 10 and by the time they were kind of grown and we got rid of the roosters and then this last um i think since june we let one of the hens brood and she sat on 25 eggs and out of those 25 eggs hatched 16. And so it, we just got to watch this natural process of a chicken hatching her own eggs, going through and teaching them how to, how to, the, how to roost, how to eat, what to eat, following them all around. And after about six weeks, now they're just kind of on their own. But we got to see that whole process and the boys literally got to watch the, the eggs being hatched and having the, the chicks come out of the eggs. And it's been just a really cool like experience just seeing all of that happen. Now, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but like the, the process of a chicken coming to life and being able to walk around and peck at things and chase you and all that stuff. So it, a, a TV show, it starts somewhere, right? So how does that process when getting back to the music 
and the the media side of all this, how does that process start typically with Atrium? And what is your favorite part of that process in terms of like just getting started with something? I think unlike the chicken egg, um, which is very consistent in its process, the the aspect of music is always different. There's nothing that <laughs> you, can, you can ever count on, right? Um, and it, it could be it could be a phone call from a, a friend, like a music supervisor or a supervisor, me like, hey Josh, we got this show. It's already an edit. They're not liking the music. Can you can you help us out? Right? It could be it could be that late in the process. It could be somebody in a mix session, me like. Uh, this song never cleared. We need a rock song right now. What do you got? We'll send over stuff. They're like, perfect. It's going in the mix. We'll do the paperwork later. Um, it could be as early as like pre-production, like, hey, we're doing this show and it hasn't started editing yet, but we need a whole bunch of music. So that way when the editors start, they have music. Like every show ends up being a little bit different and it's kind of neat to figure out like where we can come in. Um so we just have to be ready for all scenarios at all times. I mean, that totally makes sense. It it really does make sense in terms of sometimes you're going to be there right from the very beginning. Other times you're going to be looked at just based off your reputation and, and your ability to just show up and and really like be the person who's going to kind of save the project in a way. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that's amazing. You know, sometimes it, it it seems like, you know, so how many times do you actually start from the beginning of the process versus you're just kind of thrown into it. It's different. I would say maybe 50, 50, you know, some shows they'll, they'll say, Hey, we just got green lit. We're going to do a new season. It's going to start in two months. Awesome. That gives us preparation to reach out to our artists and say, Hey, we're doing the show again. It's going to be another season. This is the music we're looking for. Go ahead and send it in. So we have time to clear it. Um, there was another show that we did last year and it was it took place oh, like all around the world. So they wanted music from each different territory. They're like, we already started editing. What do you have? You're like, and, and it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> well, we need time. So, you know, there there's a it's like trying to get everybody to, to write music as fast as you can in a particular genre um, or world style and, and finding people. Right. So it just it definitely depends on it. It's it it helps us to know that we have such a great library of music in all different genres, right? Because then that allows us to be like, great, you want music in this style? Here you go, here's a whole bunch of awesome music. And now we can get artists to write new music or we can find new artists who are writing that style to continue to deliver new music to, to the client. Yeah, it's so fascinating because you are, you're such a valuable player in this industry because you bring so many different perspectives and expertise, you know, as like a video editor, as a musician, as a, uh, as an agency that's representing all these music. And, you know, to know that like anybody that's going to work with you is going to have the utmost integrity in that relationship, which is, you know, something that's really valuable in any, any re relationship in any industry, um, specifically and especially in music. So as, as a video editor, you know, we've we've brought you in a few times to talk as from the perspective of an editor, because mm -hmm. you as independent artists, you make music and you're like, this is a dope ass song. Like, I can't wait for it to get in there. And then you talk to Josh and you're like, oh, like there's all these things that are going into what makes a song great for an edit, for a video edit, for the person editing it. Like, how do you help the editor put your song in there. So a great song doesn't necessarily mean it's great. It's going to be great for a picture. And 
Can you speak to maybe just a little bit of like how that works from the editing perspective? Um, because it's fascinating for anybody to really be brought into that process. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this earlier um, today. And and it's so interesting because who when you talk to different people, they're always going to give you a different answer. Yeah. Some people are going to say, you know, I want a song. And I've said this before. It's like, I want a song that constantly pushes forward and builds because I want it to be able to elevate the scene. Um, someone will say, I want to look, I'll look at the waveform to see if it's going to fit the the dynamic that I'm going to be able to do. If, it, if it's just mm. a block, it's not going to work. Um, you know, I've said before where it's like, I want to hear something and I, I want to feel an emotion, right? And so I, I think there's a whole bunch of different answers to this. But what I do want to remember is creating content, which is what everyone calls it these days, is still an art form, right? Like in creating music, it's still an art form. It's an emotion that's going into something that's ev evoking something, invoking something. And so it, even in storytelling, it's like you have all these characters and the characters are, you either love a character, you hate a character, we're creating a character for you to hate that you never should have hated, right? Because we want to create these archetypes in, in storytelling. And I think it's, it's no matter what it is, you're trying to get somebody to have an emotional response to whatever it is that you're presenting to them, be it music, artwork on the wall, photography, whatever it is. It's like someone could look at a blob and be like, man, that reminds me of my childhood. And you're like, I don't see it. But that person had an emotional conne connection to it. And as we continue doing all these things, it, it's hard to kind of get out of the grind a little bit and remember, like, we are still creating something that is creative. Mm -hmm. And so when people are writing music, and I know this happens, they're like, I'm going to write a song for sync. What do they want? La, la, la's. Go. Right. And it becomes very kind of like that's what your focus is. But I think if it's lacking the emotion, it's going to come through in the content and the music to begin with. Right. And so when I'm sitting, all that to be said, when I'm sitting down for an edit, since I am more of a musically inclined person, I'll, I'll watch the footage. It'll be rough. It'll be however long it is, 20 minutes. And I'm watching the scene and I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, man, I don't know where to go with it. I, I don't know what it should be. I don't know how to make it fun. I just, I just don't know. I'll start clicking through music and I'll hear a song and that song will be like, oh, I get it. Sometimes I'll just put music down and I'll start editing to music uh, with just a bed track under it. And I'm like, and it starts moving everything forward. Like for me, the creative is pushed from a musical standpoint. Mm -hmm. For other people, I mean, I know some people, they'll literally cut a whole entire, you know, show with no music at all, right? And then they'll go back and add music. And so wow. everybody's a little bit different, but there, there is a creative aspect to it. There is an emotional aspect to it. And I don't know, a really long answer to your question, I don't know if there's a right answer to your question. Um, I think it's different for everybody uh, all the time. It's even different for me sometimes. Um, yeah. So I mean, sometimes, I mean, I'll even say this, like sometimes I'll be, li I'll literally hear something in my head and be like, I want a song that sounds like this for this scene. Um, there was another time where we, we were going through music and I heard a song and I'm like, oh my gosh, that song is the season finale, the last song of this whole entire episode. And we are episode, wow. we are editing episode three. And I went to the showrunner. I'm like, listen to the song. This is our final song of the show. Wow. And, they listened to it, and it literally was. It, it made it all the way through all the producers, the showrunners, executive producers, the network, every single person. And that song ended up being that, that last song of the whole entire series. And it was wow. amazing. 
so it, it's, I don't know. That's a long answer to your question. No, it's a great answer because it, well, one, it's true. Like it's not, there's the process is not the same. It's not like lay an egg, hatch a chicken. It's more like there's a million different ways that it can look. And uh, each person has their own process and to be brought into like, well, what, what would it, I guess also just to be brought back to the bottom line of storytelling and like you're representing characters and you're telling there's an arc of the way that the story develops and to understand that perspective when you're creating your music or even when you're pitching your music, maybe you've already created the music and you've got this idea of like, uh, I can understand how this might fit under a under a picture or when you're editing your song and you're like, you know, maybe it needs a little build here because it would be great to support, you know, a character this way or that way. Um, I think that that's really helpful actually to be brought into the process that way. And then just to like dive in a little bit to the technical part and you're kind of infamous for this, giving us like an explanation on endings of songs Mm -hmm. and like technically, you know, well, one, we're like led by the music and the creativity of it. And then technically there are some things that like just work better or like you go in and you might edit something to fix it, to not fix it, but, you know, to help make it work for the scene. Can you give us a little like tutorial on endings and how you specifically, I mean, everybody's got their own take, but like your take on endings of songs? Yeah, I, I think in, in to kind of piggyback on the question before, it's like there may not be a right answer how to get songs into sync or how that process goes, but there are little tips and tricks you can do to help maybe to get there. Um, and then like I, I've talked about a lot are the endings. Um, I, I think of a song too as a story, right? And when you have a fade out, there's no ending to the story. The story just kind of like you start talking quieter and quieter when your kid goes to sleep and then you kind of sneak out of the room. There's no distinct stopping point to that story. It's not like the end, you know, and, and if nothing has changed, if everything's still the same today and, and you close the book and you walk away, it's it's not that 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 idea. And so there has to be this distinct ending that you can punctuate your scene if need be. Sometimes you can you can crossfade a song to another song. It's not a problem. But if you don't have the distinct ending and it's not necessarily like one, two, three, four, boom, one, that works. However, if you can create some sort of build up to it, maybe a fill into the downbeat, maybe there ends up being, you know, some sort of like musical last phrase you're going to say in the song um, from a musical standpoint, like you know it's there. Now, here's something editors do, and, and maybe this kind of gives you a little bit more insight. When we're editing, we will take the song and then we will go to the last downbeat of the bar and tack it on to the end of the scene, right? So what it sounds like is the song's going, 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 end. Now, if you want to go above and beyond, which is what I'll try to always do when I'm doing a music editing pass, is I take that ending and I pull it back eight or 16 bars because now the song actually sounds like it's going somewhere to an ending, you know, and that changes the 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 feeling of the scene because it feels like it's actually coming to an end, right? Because you're hearing the, the song come to an end because you're ending the end of the phrase. So I think subconsciously you understand that when you're if you don't know music, you you subconsciously understand it. If you do hear music, then that's something that you're very well aware of. And so just tagging that downbeat onto the end of a song in an edit it's okay. Now you're going to watch all these shows and you're going to start recognizing this. But if you can build up to that ending, it's going to be so much more powerful, I think, in the end. 
it's just amazing to go into the craft of all this. And I'd love to just talk a little bit more about how your own personal taste in music informs this process. I was just wondering, we all have our own favorite records, our own favorite albums. How does your own personal taste in music color these creative choices that you make? It shouldn't. Right. But like my, my original background was jazz. Like I was a jazz head. I just, I, you know, that was every, that was my world, right? Like jazz, I, high school, college, everything was just jazz. And so, you know, I tried to listen to everything. There was this producer that I used to hang out with that my mom would send him in New York and we'd hang out in the, in central park. And he was an old DJ from Philadelphia. And he ended up producing like, uh, I think he, he discovered or, or worked with like Donnie Hathaway and Bette Midler, Roberta Flack. Like he was just like this amazing old time producer. There was this, he worked with Rhino records. There was this whole series called jazz 32. He produced every single one of those albums from like John Coltrane to like Houston person to all these amazing people. And so my mom would send me out there during the summer and I'd hang out with him. And um, he would be like, oh, come with me. And we walk to Central Park and we just sit on the bench and I'd be there with a notebook. Right. I was probably, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 years old. And he would just he would just gush out information. He was just talking about, like, if you really want to be a great producer to know your music, don't just know what's current, know what's been right? Know where the, where, where the jazz guys got their influence from, know where the blues guys got their influence from, go all the way back. And he could literally track back artists all the way back to tap dancers. Like where did tap dancers get that, that, that syncopated rhythm from? And then like blues guys get like, and it was just so amazing to hear him talk. And he's like, if you really want to be a profound producer, you need to know everything. You need to know where music's been. You need to know where it's going. Right. Because it, 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 it is kind of cyclical to some degree. And so I just sat there going, oh, my gosh. And so I just started diving into any kind of music I possibly could. Now, there's styles of music I like more than others. And there's other styles that I'm like, I just don't want to hear. And so what I have to do is I have to suspend my personal um, preference over over music and hear something and be like that could really work well for maybe something in that particular scene. It's executed well. It's sonically produced well. The arrangements there, yeah, I could that that works. That could go in there. Um, and so I do have to be very subjective about the music that ends up coming in and that I end up using and what people want. Right? There's been times where I've been on shows where, you know, I'll see a cut and I'm like, I know exactly who edited this because they love classic rock and there should be no classic rock, but that's what they like. And so they put in what they like. You're like, all right, let me redo all the music because it's a dating show and listen to classic. Right. So you're kind of like, okay, that it just ends up being, being really interesting. So I try to be a student of music in general and not put my, put my personal preference in there. Um, and really try to execute the vision that the creator has that they want me to kind of fulfill. And so I have to, I have to know music. I have to know my, my film composers, the, the jazz guys I need to know. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard a song that's been submitted to us. And I'm like, oh, that's a jazz solo from Coltrane. Right. And I, and I show it to my team and they're like, where do you hear that? I'm like that, that line right there. And so then we're like, oh, we can't accept that because that's a, you know, it's a, it's a melody. And so, or if it's a lyric from a song from the eighties or whatever the case is, right. Just to know the music mm. so that way you can be able to identify certain melodies or licks or, or whatever the case is. 
Um, it's happened in shows, right? Like wow. uh, someone's talking and they say something. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a lyric from whatever. I'm like, hey, let's just throw this to clearance. And they're like, oh yeah, you're right. Nobody ever caught it before. Mm, wow. right? and, and so it's just, I think it's just being a student of the craft to begin with and listening to stuff that you may not normally like, but I think it's it's created a pathway and a groundwork for all the music we listen to today. Now that's an angle that you bring into the entire equation that not everybody can bring. You bring a unique skill set with that. And in terms of just talking about the people that you, uh, the artists, the bands that you, and the genres of music that you've loved over the years, how they had influences and becoming a student of that. And it really allows you to have a very deep knowledge of the different music that's out there and how it applies to what you work on. Thank you for listening to the Music Licensing Podcast. If you are looking for more information, insights, resources around music licensing, please visit our website, 2indie.com. We have a private sync community. We have free boot camp, 90 minutes that teaches you everything that you need to know about music licensing. And we put on live events, educational events throughout the year. We would love to have you there, 2indie.com. I was wondering, as you were talking about that, is it the same with film editing as well and TV show editing? Are there info, there are editors that you probably have learned to really appreciate the the craft of? And, and, and is there like a kind of do they have influences that you can kind of follow the the breadcrumb and the and the rabbit hole and go down that rabbit hole a little bit? And does that help? Is that something that's enjoyable or is it something that adds to your expertise and the and the whole process? I think there ends up being a, how how do I phrase this? I think there ends up being a disconnect sometimes with the creative process and the job. And, And what I mean by that is sometimes there ends up being so many levels of producers who give notes just to give notes that depending on who you're working with, you don't quite have the ability to be as creative as you want. Um, So many times the schedules are so incredibly tight that there isn't time to be creative. Um, I would like it, and there's shows like this where you get a showrunner who's just very passionate about like, try stuff. We have the schedule for it, try stuff, show me stuff I'm not gonna like because I wanna see something different. And those are the people that are really hard to work for because they're so particular, but I really enjoy that quite a bit because it challenges me to kind of elevate my craft a little bit. Mm. Uh, There's some schedules that are so incredibly tight, you're just trying to get the content done. Mm. You know, Um, there's certain editors I enjoy working with because we complement each other well. Like there's certain editors that are really great at like diving into the minutia and, and finding and pulling out the really intricate, creative, like comedy bits. And then I work really well with them because they can they can focus on something that really needs to be honed in on. But I can look over the big picture stuff. I can manage a team. I can set up parameters as a supervising editor. I also love finishing shows because I have that analytical uh, detail to look at a show from a, a finishing perspective, edit all the music, make sure all the graphics are there, make sure you know it's not missing stuff, lock a show and ready to send it to online and mix. Um, I did a show called Big Brother for 10 years where my job was to finish, I finished three shows a week. And we wow. literally, I would go in for three 24 hour shifts 
And that was my job. I would get a show when I sat down and it would go to air by the time I left. And I did oh that gosh. for two years and we would do 40 episodes in a summer. Um, and so I mean, like, that was like the first, rea- like that was like groundbreaking that show. It was definitely one of them. Yeah. 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 It, but- uh, one of the stories on that is we used to, I used to be able to hit play on my keyboard and it would feed to New York. And there was one, one show where the drives weren't working. And so I couldn't feed, usually we would feed to a tape and then we take the tape and then in the satellite, the tape to New York. And there was one show where it just wasn't working. We couldn't lay to a full tape. And it got to a point where the show, we were like 30 minutes away from the show and we couldn't feed a full tape anymore. So we would, I'd hit play on my Avid. I'd be on the phone with a guy in New York and we were feeding an act at a time. And we could see the show airing on the TV live as I'm feeding the rest of the show. And I'm counting him in so he can put the commercials and eyeliners and all that stuff. And I'll be like, all right, commercial break in three, two, one. And then he he would hit record and then it would lay down the commercials and then I get ready to feed the next act. And literally that was, that was how we, we did the show. Oh my and gosh. Live I, TV people. It was, it was, it was almost worse than live because, yeah. with, and then we did have a live show where we would lay like all these packages and I would, you know, two minutes before air, we're running a tape up so they can play these packages back. And sometimes be like, hi, we're here on big brother. And they're getting the tape ready to roll back this package we were going to show. So there, there's oh definitely a level of like intensity that I really, really enjoy. Um, but, and then there's, there's people that I enjoy working with, but I do, I really do enjoy the creative aspect of something. And when there is a show and there is an opportunity to do something like that, I I'm just absolutely thrilled. That's really, so it sounds like, you know, sometimes again, you're, you're just like thrown into the fire, you're working and you're working almost on like editing on instincts of the chops you built up with all this stuff. And there's really no time to, yeah. you know, think about, well, how did this influence me or how did that, uh, what might I like to do here? If I could sit here and kind of like think of two or three possibilities, you don't even have right. time for that. Right. Yeah. Do I do an L cut here? Is it a dissolve or it's like, where am I, where am I going back on the, on the reaction shots? How am I building that up? You know? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, yeah. Every show is a little different. Yeah. And that's kind of the theme here is everything is, there's not like a one way to get there as an, as a, the way that the show unfolds, as you just shared, like you could be feeding it live um, or really in creating music that works for a show or a film or an ad or like supervising a, uh, a show or editing the show. And all of those have different processes. And that is the creative process. And um, it's kind of like the glue that this creative process that we all get to experience as creatives, no matter where you're at in the world of being a creative, whether you're the music supervisor or you're the musician making the creating the music, like the creative process is such a organic and also a different experience every time. And I think um, just to dive a little bit deeper, like I feel like you, you offer, you have a lot of presence that you bring into every situation that you have. Like you're wearing a ton of hats, you have a family, like you have a business, all all these things are happening. And you have a lot of, you're really grounded and present through all of that. And the creative process is something that you just can't like, you're not like, oh, let me clock in and clock out. Like that's just not the life that any of us of creatives have signed up for. What are some of the tools that you have, that really have helped you Um kind of show up for the variation of a creative life and having a creative 
job. I mean, your job is creative. You wear a lot of different hats and, and being a creative, I think the process can sometimes like get us down if we don't have the right tools to keep going and the right things to hold on to and the right like foundations that keep us really focused on um, that end product, like you being a finisher, like loving that finished product. You know, some people never get to the finished product because they're just so wrapped up in the up and down spiral of creating something. What would be some of the things that really have helped you along be be like a stable creative? Well, I think over the years, I wasn't how you described. Right. Um, Yeah. It comes with learning. I I think the the first fundamental thing would be my faith, right? That just, that grounds me more than anything else uh, as a person, as a father, as a husband, like that's, that's first and foremost above any, anything at all. Um, And then I also remember that everybody that I'm working with are also other humans, right? There are other adults, there are other children. Most of the time they're adults acting like children. No, um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's knowing that like, okay, what do I have? What do I have to offer? How can I serve everybody else around me? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can I, how can I encourage, right? People to do their best work. Um, I, I know that when I'm encouraged, I want to work harder. I know that when I feel like I have a purpose, I want to work harder. I don't care if somebody is a PA who gets me coffee or who grabs me a, a lunch, you know, um, while I'm sitting at my desk because I have a deadline to hit. I want to turn around and acknowledge them and say, thank you so much for bringing me my food. Like that means so much to me. Like everybody to me, whether their title is higher or lower, they deserve the same amount of respect. And I love building teams. I love building people around me um to to help one another i think that ends up being the the goal if i if i take my eyes and just say this is my job i don't care about anybody else around me then i'm losing focus on really what's important right like i'm i'm not saving lives we're we're creating television content and at the end of the day we're going to walk away and go home it may not it's not going to mean as much but a a interaction a relationship a a conversation like to me those things are end up being so much more important while we get to do something that we enjoy right and then at, and then as far as like doing the job man you're right it's a creative job you're not always creative and so how do you but you're supposed to be there at a certain time and you have a certain deadline to hit and it's like how do you make sure you get that done man there's some days where i'll sit at my desk and and i'll look at the screen and be like I got nothing done today. I just didn't have it in me. But then the next day I'm like, man, I got three days worth of work done today. Like sometimes it just lays out and you do it. And I think what I've learned too, just as a little trick is, and it kind of mentioned this a little bit before, if I'm watching something, I'm like, I just don't see it. Like I'm not seeing the edit and I'm not seeing the picture. I'm not seeing the purpose of the scene. I just don't get it. I'll throw in some music right? I'll start listening to some music. And then after a while, like maybe there's a little thing in the beginning, like, oh, that shot could go over here with this song and it hits like this. Boom. All of a sudden the whole entire thing lays out and I can just go. Like, it's not about my tools. It's about, it's about my mind being able to know where I need to go. The the tools are there. I know, I know how to hit the keyboard. Uh, I know all the shortcuts like that. That's not a hindrance for me. It's just being for me to be able to visualize, visualize it. So if I can sit down and just say, okay, go and just do something right like as a writer it's like even writing your abcs out or whatever it ends up being it's like i'm just going to start changing cameras and see what happens 
I'm doing the process. It sometimes works. It sometimes doesn't, but at least I'm sitting down and I'm just going. And, and I think mm-hmm. more times than not, then that'll, that'll kickstart me. Yeah, yeah. That's so, I mean, I think that's so helpful because it's, it is really truly about showing up, like whatever that looks like. Oh, you know, rather than be like, I got nothing walking away. Like you're like, okay, so I, you know, I've got nothing. Let me show up in another way. Let me put some music here. Let me, you know, play with the cameras. Let me just keep showing up. And as we take those steps forward in life, like we don't know what the next step is going to look like, but it starts to unfold as we keep showing up in the space. And so then you end up with a finished product, like same with like, I can relate that to songwriting or, you know, John and I putting something out there. We're like, we don't know what this is like, but like we build it as it goes. And as we build more, it, it creates more. And these are tools, you know, you sharing that, like, even you experience this and this is your job. Like it just really helps speak to the creative process. And like, um, there's a book called the dip and it's like, there's, it's not a matter of like, if you're going to dip, it's a matter of like, what are you going to do when you do hit those dips? Mm-hmm. And we're, we're all going to have those dips in, in life and like how we, the tools that we build in order to like move through those dips so that they don't like keep us from moving forward. And I, I always think that's such a fascinating conversation for anybody in the creative world. And I know John has a lot of um, tools and tips that he shares too with our community, which I always love. Um, in moving through those things. I just love your grounded approach to creativity. It's uh, really just speaks to me in terms of just where I kind of fall when I'm trying to come up with the next line in a song. It's like Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't know where it's going to come from and you don't know exactly what you're supposed to do in that moment. But I love how you just said it's, it's like you stay grounded, you hit reset in some way and you just try to find some way to move forward. Yeah. Yeah, there's some depth to to this whole process, isn't it? There's because there, and another thing, it's like I think that this whole approach to to having faith in your creative process and and bringing that into things, it can really, I would imagine, help with like some of these tight deadlines and some of just like the just the the back and forth and all the inbox craziness and all of that. I think so. I think I've also learned, you know to let go a little bit, you know, especially with my team. Like, uh, I I love, uh, leadership books and, you know, I've done a lot of studying in that. And, and I think, you know, 10 years ago, it's like, okay, I want you to do this and I want it to be done this way. And I want you to do this and I want it to be done this way. And coming in, especially like as a supervising editor or like a, a big brother, it's like, man, I have so much pressure on my shoulders. Like I'm the last guy to watch the show. It was me and the post supervisor before it goes to air. And there was, there was, I mean, I can remember one time I messed up on something and and I just felt awful and it, and it went to air and it was just like, you have to be so meticulous about the process, but how do you get people around you to also be be meticulous about the process? But you also have to put people in the right job. Some people are not meticulous. Right. And then like with my team at Atrium over the years, it's like, how do you want to do this? Right. Like, you know, and just trying to empower people, you could probably ask them about some stories. I mean, there, there was times where like, I'd go to the studio at night, we were in Pasadena and I'd look at the walls and be like, Hey guys, let's paint the room, you know? And we would like literally in the middle of the night. And it was like, what? I'm like, it'll help. Trust me. And I don't think I'm that guy anymore, but at the same (laughs) time, like it's, it's just funny to see how I can look back at how I was a leader and how I'm a leader now. And I like, being the leader I am more now. 
And and it's not like I'm ahead of them. It's like, we're still a team and we still do everything. Like I'll do anything that anybody else does. We're a team. We all come together. We do everything. Um, But it's just learning how to manage people. It's learning how to encourage people, your team, like all of those things absolutely come into play. And um, man, it's been, it's been fun to kind of go through that journey that I'll tell you. I feel like we could just talk here for like three hours. So it's like just you know, this has been a very enlightening and interesting conversation, Josh. I think we're gonna start to wrap things up here, but just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about just what's happening at Atrium. Is there anything exciting you'd like to talk about with the community? Um, you know, it's it's a slow time right now, as I think we all are aware, uh, just because the changing of the industry and what's to come. I'm hopeful that the last quarter, if not the first quarter of next year, things are going to be taken off like crazy. Uh, we've, we have a bunch of shows. We've been really busy, but I feel like it's not quite as busy as it should be. So we've, we've, been, we've been growing slowly and, and having a lot more placements. We have a bunch of shows out right now on Netflix, which has been really cool. Uh, there's another show that's coming up. Um, I don't think I can say the name of it, but another dating show that's going to be coming out soon that we're, we play a whole bunch of music on. So that that's exciting. So we are doing stuff. Um, I really do think the next quarter is going to be uh, better. The strikes hopefully will end and the studios will start green lighting stuff like crazy. And I think songwriters are going to be able to see opportunities kind of, you know, grow. And I think it's been frustrating for a lot of people who are like, not not just with atrium artists, but I just think artists in general, there hasn't been a lot of opportunities this last year um, or this last six months. And I think all around artists are like, I'm not, I'm not getting stuff. I'm not getting stuff. And, and so kind of, I just want to encourage people like now's the time to create the songs. And then maybe next quarter is, is working the songs and don't get discouraged by it because nobody's really getting a ton of placements right now. A lot of people are out of work. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do, obviously, things kind of ebb and flow, and and we're going to see a change in that. So just keep writing amazing music um, that people love and and getting it out there. And and honestly, like workshops like you guys are putting on, I just think are priceless. You know, the the level of talent that people are coming to us because of you guys, I can see a massive difference in quality versus maybe some other panels or people who are not doing it. I even see a massive difference in people who've submitted to us that have been in your workshops that may not have been able to make it into Atrium. And then over the course of of a couple of years or whatever the case is, several months, just the quality has changed, right? And so you're seeing people do the work. And to me, that's just such an amazing just proof of what you guys can also bring to what artists, you know, need, right? Like we need this. We need the community. We need people to tell us that's great. I think you can do it better this way. Or you know what? That's maybe not so good. Like maybe try this. And 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 people coming and putting their emotions on the line and being critiqued. I was talking to my, about this to my team. It's like, how do you critique somebody's song? It's their art. They're putting themselves, their vulnerability out there to, to do something. And man, that's that takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts. And and um, I just encourage people to do that more. But you guys are awesome. And I just want to thank you guys for everything you guys are doing. We love doing it. So it's like it's uh, it, it's such a pleasure to because I just speak for myself when I say like, 
I just remember where I was like 10 years ago and I needed to hear some stuff that I needed to hear to get my music to the same place. So it's, it's just really fun. So fun. It's fun to see like whether you get mentorship from us or you get it from, there's plenty of other people out there that do a great job of, uh, of coaching and teaching the fundamentals of, of just getting better as a songwriter and a producer and, and learning about sync and all that stuff. Uh, I just think it's really, it's really great to, to avail yourself of that and to, to be brave. Like you were saying, it takes a lot of courage. So yeah. appreciate that though, Josh, we, we love you. And, and we're looking forward to where we're always like uh, finding new ways that we can partner together to, to, to teach new people who yes. are, who are new to sync or, or people who are like, they've already got their foot in the door with it and they just want to keep getting better and better at it. Absolutely. Yeah. Josh, you are our partner licensing partner this coming up month in licensing base camp, our private community. And um, we offer 20 spots for, you know, like a little more hands-on mentorship, but did you know that's already half sold out and we haven't wow. even got, we haven't even announced <laughs> We haven't even yet. announced it yet. That's awesome. <laughs> so People excited. heard Josh was coming and they were just like, whoop, let's get me in there. Oh, the we pressure. <laughs> no, I mean, it just speaks to, obviously, you know, anybody who's listening to this podcast really gets the understanding of how, what a great teacher you are and all the different perspectives that you can bring to the table to bring together and then ending it, re, you know, really putting that button on this conversation here with, with the strike and with all the changes that are happening in the industry and how there are people that are out of work. And as a musician or a songwriter or a creator, you're like, Oh, but what about my placements? And like, just to really look at how the whole um, infrastructure is looking and working and to take this time to go inward and create more content, such great advice and insight from you. So that's, a, a, a beautiful note to end this on. Um, thank you for being here today with us. And we can't guys. wait to have you as our partner this coming month in licensing base camp. Awesome. And, uh, we'll see you next week you for that. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. And thanks for tuning in, everybody. A special shout out to Daniel Lim for providing this incredible music to our podcast and Kurt Hunter, our editor.